it's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. It was previously a question of finding out whether or not life had to have a meaning to be lived. It now becomes clear, on the contrary, that it will be lived all the better if it has no meaning. Quoted by Albert Camus. And now, coming to you, recorded... In a room with four walls, a smell of death, and Werner's ginger ale. But hey, if you hear the screams, ignore them. Because that's just my internal monologue crying for me not to do this episode. But from the Next Level Network of Podcasts and Studio Zero, welcome back, boils and ghouls, to What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul. This week... Episode 72. And the movie review of the week comes from 2019. Basically, it's like an indie version of The Expendables. Uh, in a way. The movie is called VFW. But, okay, so we're doing things a little bit differently this week. Normally, I open up the show and I talk about blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Whatever. A big news event or something I've done recently or whatever. Changing that up this week because I'm trying something new. So, in a way, you're getting two reviews this week. The opening part of this show is going to be a mini review, so to speak. Something that I'm going to quickly talk about. Um, Kind of making it the recommendation of the week as well, but... I wanted to do something a little bit differently that I haven't done with this show yet. And that is doing like an actual video game review. I know, right? Oh my God, a video game review coming from me. But yes, um, so I'm going to play a small clip from the game and then talk about the game. And then after that, we'll go into the movie review of the week and we'll do the usual. But I want to try this differently this week and see... Because I'm thinking maybe what I might start doing is doing like a show of like two reviews. Uh, the first part being maybe a review of a TV episode, video game, a book or something like that. And then go into the movie review of the week. I'm going to see how that works. All right. So I'm going to play a video game clip. And then when I come back, we're going to talk about a game that just got recently released a little over two weeks ago called Cloudpunk. Be back in just a second, kids. Control, come in. This is 
Wait, is this channel receiving me? Uh, driver of 14FC, this is Control. We read you. Is that you, Carmine? No, my name is Rania. Oh, you're the new kid. I'm the new driver, yeah. Who is Carmine? He was driver 14FB. What happened to him? He, he retired last month. Good for him. Not really. He was in the big Sector 6 crash last week. Lots of people got retired. Don't worry, you won't be flying through that section for hours yet. Where do I go now? Well, how are you handling your Hava? Okay, I guess. I read your references. You're a good driver, but navigating a Hava around Navalis isn't like driving your flat country roads back home. Now, this city goes down a hundred miles and up a thousand. Remember, you're not driving an old internal combustion engine. You'll need to engage your vertical repulsors or find one of the car lifts. Fly to headquarters. I'll give you more instructions when you arrive. Thanks, Control. Uh, one more thing, 14FC. Welcome to Cloudpunk. Okay, so last episode i briefly mentioned about cloudpunk i think i even recommended you know play the game if you can and anyways you guys remember that last episode i was talking about how my computer was kind of outdated i needed to upgrade some things and whatnot and i finally did i upgraded it new video card more ram the whole nine yards I even got a beautiful new keyboard that's all lit up and it looks awesome so anyways I finally was able to play Cloudpunk, and I became obsessed with the game. Um, <laughs> uh, in, what, first week, I've already completed about 70% of the game, and I thought, you know what? I, I know it took 72 episodes for me to get to this point, but I've decided that I'm going to review a video game on my podcast. And what better game to start with than Cloudpunk? Um because I haven't been this obsessed with a game since, what, Arkham Knight? Which was 2015, I think, or something like that. So, I mean, it's been a while since I've had a game that, like, pulled me in and I couldn't put it down. So, anyways, I decided, I'm like, you know what? I think for the opening segment for this week's episode, I'm going to try something new and review a game. So, Cloudpunk was officially released April 23rd, 2020 by the distributor known as Ion Lands. Uh, basically, Ion Lands is um, like the development team uh, created by Marco Dykeman. And I apologize if I said his last name wrong. I'm really sorry about that. But um, yeah, he three years ago, he came up with this idea to create this game, Cloudpunk. And we got it April 23rd. Now, the story for Cloudpunk was written by Thomas Welsh. Thomas Welsh is based out of Ireland, I believe. Um, he's a short story uh, writer, author, whatever. Um, he's had publishings in books like The 404, uh, Ink Issue Number 2, The F Word Collection. <laughs> and he's also been featured in Pseudopod. 
Uh, he started writing his own trilogy of books known as The Medic's Fade. And the first book was released in 2018 known as Anna Undreaming. The music for Cloud Punk was done by Harry Critchley. I mentioned that last week, actually. Um, and let me tell you, the soundtrack is so amazing. Oh, my God. Like, every night at work, because I work midnight, so you guys know that. Every night at work, I've had this soundtrack just playing over and over and over. I absolutely love the music to this game. And I know that, like, with most of my reviews, I always talk about the music score or whatever. But this is one time where, like... I'm obsessed with this soundtrack. I'm so glad I like I bought the bundle package on Steam that came with the game and the soundtrack and so glad I did that. The voice cast for the game, basically three characters are your main characters. There's the characters of Rania, Control, and Camus. Uh, Rania is voiced by Andrea Patril. Control is voiced by Mike Burlack. And Camus is voiced by Corey Herndon. Now, there are a lot of other voice actors in the game. Um, notable actors include Brad Hyland, Jay Preston, Sarah Sakura, and Julie Shields. And uh, locally, in the Windsor, Detroit area, area sorry, era, um, Sarah Sakura is from Michigan. She's from Detroit, Michigan. So that's pretty cool. Um, Julie Shields, actually, she, when I was looking at like the different voice actors and whatnot, she pretty much had the most voice acting credits. She had like 49 acting credits. Some of them are quite notable. Uh, Borderlands 3, she was uh, a voice actor in that. Marvel Avengers Academy, uh, the anime Tokyo Ghoul Re, and also she had a, she was voice actor on Attack on Titan. So, the game currently is available through Steam. It is eventually coming to Xbox, PS4, and Nintendo Switch. That's sometime later in 2020. There's no definite date for that yet. However, just recently the development team did a live stream. Um, I think it was like through... I know for sure YouTube. You can watch the full stream on YouTube. I think they also did it through Twitch, I think. I watched it through YouTube, so I'm, I'm not completely sure. Now, in terms of the game, the basic premise for the game, uh, the description that comes from Steam is basically a neon-noir story in a rain-drenched cyberpunk metropolis, and it rains the whole game. The whole game, it's just raining. It's kind of cool, actually. Um, it's your first night on the job working for Cloud for the Cloudpunk delivery service. Cloudpunk is um, basically like a, a courier service. Um, two rules with Cloudpunk. <laughs> don't miss a delivery and don't ask what's in the package. <laughs> what's in the box? Don't ask what's in the box. Um, <laughs> kind of like Seven, right? But um, And your character's name, you, you, your main character that you're playing as is Rania. Um, she's uh, working her first night like her first shift uh, working for Cloudpunk. It's a semi-legal delivery company based in the sprawling city of Navalis. Um, Navalis looks so beautiful too. Oh, they did such a great job like creating the atmosphere and whatnot. Um, you go everywhere from the marrow below uh, to the spires up in the sky. Um, and it, it's, it's 
beautiful looking. It's really cool. Um, no delivery job is too dangerous, and no one is faster than a cloud punk driver. Um, in this story-based exploration game, you will meet a diverse range of characters, including androids, AI, and unscrupulous humans at every level of society. Everyone has a story, and in the course of one night in Nivalis, everything will change. Um, my overall thoughts on the game. So basically, I have to preface this right now. This is not an action game. Um, it's more more in lines with like the cyberpunk genre, um, like the ideals of cyberpunk, with less of a like a, a Terminator or a Matrix feel, which is very action oriented. This deals more with the social and political themes of a cyberpunk um, atmosphere or the genre, if you want to call it that. Um, it's kind of like the human versus automata idea. Um, the story and and the game itself get heavily compared to Blade Runner. Um, and when you start to play the game, like if you're familiar with Blade Runner, you will definitely see that. Uh, the aesthetics of the game and whatnot. There's even one segment. There's a character known as Falconer. Um, and when you come across his character and you, you you delve into his story and the background of it and whatnot, it very much reminds me of the owl in Blade Runner. How there was like the owl and it was, it was um, a replicant. And the idea of that this replicant looked natural it looked real and with the story of the falconer you find out that like he's lost his bird he needs to find his bird which is a falcon and how to to the naked eye it looks like a real bird but it's actually an automata it's 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 ai um the 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 cool thing about the game at least i noticed this now i don't know if it was intentional or not i haven't read anywhere where the development team said it was intentional but I'm assuming it was. Um, there's like hidden eggs. There's a lot of throwbacks. There's a lot of little nuances to um, to tribute, I guess you would say, the earlier cyberpunk minds of, say, like Philip K. Dick, William Gibson, uh, Massimo uh, Shiro, Ghost in the Shell, um, even the Wachowski's Matrix. Uh, there's a whole segment where you deal with uh, the Anderson Corporation, and everyone there is named Anderson. And it right away, I thought of the Matrix. I was like, you know, because Neo's name in the Matrix was, you know, Thomas Anderson. And of course, you come upon this company where it's like they're all Andersons. And right away, I was like, oh, Matrix, like that's so awesome. Uh, there's one part where. And I can't remember the character you're talking to, but they mention they mention about an exegesis, and there's actually a book called The Exegesis of Philip K. Dick. Um, so it, again, it it throws back to you know the the cyberpunk creators that came before this, um, the character of Camus, which is your automata. It's it's the voice that speaks to you when you're in your hova, which a uh, hova to explain that it's basically like a Blade Runner spinner. Um, 
But the character of Camus, uh, at least what I kind of picked up was it was in tribute to the late Albert Camus, who I quoted at the very beginning of this episode. Uh, he was a French uh, philosopher. I'll quickly go into Albert Camus's background. Uh, he was known uh, to believe and express interest in the idea of absurdism. Uh, uh, sorry, absurdism. <laughs> Can never say the word right. And basically put, uh, absurdism is the human interrogation into the meaning of life and purpose as opposed to discovering uh, the nothingness in a world without purpose or meaning. Um, the universe and the human mind uh, do not separately cause the absurd, but rather the absurd arises by the contradictory nature of two existing of the two existing si simultaneously. Um, I know I'm getting all scientific on you guys here, and that's something I don't do often. But um, Albert Camus, though, a lot of the times was referred to as, and I hope I can say this word right, an existentialist, which he refused to accept that label. In basic terms, existentialism is the proposed theory that each individual, not society or religion, but the individual is solely responsible for giving meaning to life and living it passionately and sincerely or authentically. Um, to give you an idea, uh, uh, in terms of existentialism and like, you know, philosophers linked to it, think Friedrich Nietzsche. Um, so that's what Albert Camus was. And when, when you know this little bit of background, it can help to understand the character of Camus in this game. Um, because he's kind of like, he's Rania's friend, mentor, and he's the directional compass. <laughs> he gives you your nav points a lot of the time uh, for uh, Rania, um, which I love this. And this was a lot of what pulled me into the game was Camus is a dog. He, he originally was, a, a, was her, her, her pet, her dog. And through the idea of, you know, AI and whatnot... She was able to keep Camus alive after he passed away by putting him into a computer program that would, you know, be her automata. So, and on top of that, I mean, if you think about Rania, Rania, the, the word Rania, it's a Middle Eastern word that uh, means queen. And within this game, um, Rania herself is in pursuit of knowledge of this being known as Korra. And what Korra's relevance relevance is to this game. Um, I don't want to spoil that. That's something that you need to find out by playing the game. But let's just say that Korra, in her own way, um, is a queen, and that's about as far as I'm going to go with that. There's other characters that are pretty interesting. Uh, the character of Huxley, which <laughs> when Huxley talks, it's kind of funny. But um, Huxley is like a detective. And when you think about that, like, and the idea of Blade Runner, you know, uh, Decker, Decker was like, sort of like this investigator. He was, he was, uh, well, I mean, he was out to, you know, hunt Blade Runner, uh, not Blade Runners, um, replicants. He was out to hunt the replicants, but I mean, the idea that he was kind of like investigating the whole, um, idea of replicants versus humans and whatnot, when you know that and you look at the character of Huxley, you can see how they kind of correlate. So, I, again, it's another throwback to, you know, a cyberpunk creation prior to this game. Um, 
and again, with the way he talks, I don't want to throw, I don't want to like uh, spoil that or anything, but he likes to speak sort of like in this like detective uh, film noir dialect. Um, he refers to Rania as the dame and stuff like that. And it's kind of cool. It reckons back to like the detective stories of the 1940s and 50s and whatnot. Um, I did read somewhere someone felt this game had no repercussions for bad decision making. And, you know, some people were saying they felt this game was kind of pointless, that it had no stakes involved. I disagree with this statement, and I'll, I'll explain why I disagree with it, is because I think some people may have missed the point of the game. Because this game, when you're playing it, it's a narrative story. It's basically... I mean, how I kind of described it to people when I would be talking about it is it's like Blade Runner meets Death Stranding. And Death Stranding, we, we, for those of you familiar with the game, you know it's like a delivery service. You deliver packages. Well, with this, you're a cloud punk driver who's delivering packages. And through each delivery, the story unfolds. And there's different stories to different characters. The narrative is put in place not so... Okay, like, when you're playing it, you're going to make decisions and it'll seem like no matter what your decision is, the game still continues on, which technically that's life. No matter what decision you make, your life still continues on. But I like the, I like the fact that this game, what the repercussion to it, let's say you make a bad decision. The repercussion of it is, is you're going to beat yourself up for that decision. It's, it's a game that's meant to make you think. And I like that. It's a thinking game. It's, it's very easy to control, so you don't have to worry about you know focusing on controls and whatnot. I played with an Xbox controller, and very easy to control. Like it, you don't have to focus a lot on which buttons you're hitting. It's pretty straightforward. But that's kind of the beauty of the game in the fact that the, now I can focus. Like when I'm playing the game, I can focus more on what I'm doing and what the story is telling me and how it's making me you know, perceive the world and, and think about my decisions and whatnot. Um, and the music again, like I, I you know, I, talking about Harry Critchley and how he, you know, he created this beautiful soundtrack, the music fits with what's going on. So like when you're driving, you have like this, like very chill ambient music and whatnot. Um, the music was very well created to fit this world and the visuals, I mean, it's wonderful pixel art. Like, it, it kind of reminds me of Minecraft a little, but when you're in your Hova and you're just driving through Novalis and whatnot, oh, it's so breathtaking. The colors just, like, spring at you, like, right off the screen. The voice acting. So some people have commented saying that the voice acting was a little too wild for their liking and whatnot, or it was, you know, bad as some people were saying i saw a few reviewers saying that i actually like the idea that these actors went into this project very passionately wanted to add some life and color to the the characters they were portraying on the screens and whatnot there's a few of them that are a little bizarre but it is what it is um i'm just glad from the sounds of it that more camus is on the way uh, with future developments, um, because the dev team did, like I said, they did a live stream. Um, certain upgrades that are coming to this game, there's going to be possibly a racing mode, uh, new interaction, new interactions in Ronnie's apartment. The apartment's really kind of cute, but right now, 
you can add like a TV, you can add a fridge and stuff like that, but you can't really interact with it. And I believe that's something that the the creative team wants to bring into the game. Uh, possibly new characters, new story expansions and whatnot, and a new camera perspective. Right now, it's... Um, not, I don't want to say it, it's not a side-scrolling game. It's not that kind of game, but like some of the some of the camera perspectives are very far away, and they want to bring it closer to you and whatnot. So, uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. My my personal rating for this is with the majority of the Steam community um, and on Discord and whatnot. Uh, I've seen a lot of positive. Uh, comments about this game and myself i i'm right in there with like with that community um because even though i'm not so much of a gamer and we all know this but this game for me it's currently standing at a, a beautiful nine out of ten um so oh my god this game is so much fun and you know the, the fan in me that you know i i want to give this game a 10 but there were a few moments where like the camera views were a little hard to deal with. Um, especially like if you're turning a corner and whatnot, the camera changes its view, but then you have to change the way you're controlling the character at the same time. Um, it was a little bit troublesome, but it was nothing that ruined the game for me. The game is a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I can't say enough about it. I, like I said, I became obsessed with this game. This game is so much fun. It's it, it's there's some really good storytelling. Yes, there are characters where their story you kind of almost get this feeling like, okay, why is this character in this game? What is their you know what is their purpose? It doesn't add anything to the story. But you have to also keep in mind this is a basically this is Rania's first shift. And it's her experiencing a whole world of different types of characters, different kinds of people, AI, um, you know, robots and, and different things. There's one part where you're talking to an elevator. Like, it's really, it's, it, it sounds crazy, but it's actually, it's really fun. And it, it in that moment, Camus is also a big part of that and whatnot. Um the ending to the story mode uh, was awesome. Very, uh, it was kind of emotional. It was, it was, it was nice. It was very well thought out. There are things to improve on, but like the development team are still working on it. In this world of COVID nineteen, I mean, it's you know, it's nice to see that we had something new come out that we can have fun with, and. Like I said, watching that live stream, you can see the developers, they have a lot of ideas they still want to bring to this game. So I think Cloudpunk has a great future. I think this is a game that a lot of people should play. And my current rating right now, yes, I, I'm standing at a 9 out of 10 on it. I think it, it's a phenomenal game. It's so much fun. I even tweeted out on Twitter about the game and I thought it was awesome that, you know, Ion Lands kind of liked my tweet and, you know, sent me a little tweet back of like a, a beer mug, like almost like cheers, you know, and it was kind of cool. It's awesome. Um, so I just wanted to take a few moments out of this week's episode to talk about that and to seriously hype this game up because I think people need to play it. It's, it's really a lot of fun. 
But now we will go into our shared podcast experience of the movie review of the week. Movie review is um, a movie that I didn't know I wanted. And then when I got it, I was like, well, this deserves to be talked about. So trailer timeout. We're going to go to the trailer. And when we come back, we, we, me and my multiple personalities, will talk about this movie called VFW. As directed by Joe Bagos. Back in a moment, kids. Oh, Lord. Oh, there you go. You've been at this, haven't you? I have. Uh-huh. To us. Still here. Still here. You know where you are, kid? In the uh, VFW post. How about we close the bar down early tonight? What do you got going on? The best birthday that Freddie ever got. It's Q&A time, kid. See, the problem is that me and my old friends are probably going to die tonight unless you help us out to understand what's happening here. You steal us? Foz killed my sister, all right? This, though, it's all he's got his whole life. V-F-W. What is that? Veterans of foreign wars. Good. Soldiers are good at dying. There's only one satisfactory solution, and that is we get our product back, and each of you die. You were a soldier. So we all. Let's act like it. We set a perimeter. We make our stand. You'll all die very, very slowly. You last. But whatever you gonna do, do it. Because you make a mistake. I'm gonna cut your heart out. You and me both know this ain't the only option. We can push Miss Teen USA right back out to the way she came in. It's for you that we're doing all of this. I never asked for your goddamn help, Gramps. The second you walked through that door, we were duty-bound to help you. Let's go. So this week's movie review was not a uh, choose your own hell episode, uh, not a um, fan request or anything. This was my pick and it was my pick because this movie caught me off guard. I didn't realize I wanted it till I got it, (laughs) but um, I mean, I say that it's, it's reminiscent of other films we've had before, but I don't know. I, I wanted to talk about this movie because... I mean, of all things, like, I scored this at a Walmart pretty cheap, too. I think it was, like, $15 that I paid for it and whatnot. And, you know, I just went based on the fact of I knew the director and I knew the cast. And I was like, all right. I hadn't even seen the trailer, you know, before watching this. Like, I really didn't know much about this movie I just knew that I liked what I like. I, the cast, when I read the cast, I was like, okay, this was like the expendables we never got. Um, and the director, Joe Bagos, uh, I recently saw his movie Bliss on Shudder, and that was awesome. I think I've even mentioned that as a, a recommendation on this on this show. So 
I was like, okay, well, director and cast, why not? Right? Why not? So the movie review of the week is VFW. Uh, VFW, by the way, for those who might not know, stands for Veterans of Foreign Wars. Um, And I think they even mentioned that in the movie. Uh, The movie itself. So sort of three different release dates. I'll explain it. Uh, It was originally the first time it was ever released was September 21st, 2019. Uh, at Fantastic Fest in the U.S., um, which is like a festival or whatnot. And then it had a limited theatrical and VOD run, which started February 14th, 2020, which I might also add, a couple weeks ago, I featured the song by Amaranth, Do or Die, at the end of the episode. I forget what episode it was. That was just recent, too. Um... Anyways, that song was released the same day, February 14th. So I thought that was kind of funny. But anyways, um, yeah, it had a theatrical run and VOD run that started February 14th. Uh, The DVD and the Blu-ray were released March 31st, 2020. That's when I got involved in this. Um, When I I saw it at a Walmart and I was like, it's pretty cheap and I like what I see. So, And I'm not going to lie, the cover artwork, not the greatest cover I've ever seen, but it did attract my attention it was was kind of colorful stood out and i was like all right and then i was laughing because there was a sticker on that says you know like 30 day preview of shutter i'm like i'm already three years into shutter come on now i don't need that but whatever the movie like i said was directed by joe bagos who also directed movies like almost human the mind's eye and bliss bliss is awesome Uh, that's all i will say Uh, eventually i will review that movie on here as well but i wanted to talk about this one first um movie was written the story i should say was written by max brawlier and matthew mccardle and it was produced by josh ethier amanda presmick and dallas sonnier um the cinematography was done by Mike Teston, who also worked with Joe Bagos on Bliss. So, and you're going to find, like, when I'm talking about, like, different people in this and whatnot, a lot of it is all interlinked, uh, different projects that people have worked on and stuff like that. Everyone seems somewhat familiar with each other going into this. Uh, the music, the, the score was done by Steve Moore. Uh, he did VHS 2. Uh, there's that VHS series. I can honestly say I haven't seen those yet, Um, but they're on the list. (laughs) I love that. Every every horror movie fan you talk to is always like, well, it's on the list if they haven't already seen something. Um, But yeah, he did the music for VHS 2, The Mind's Eye, Don't Knock Twice, which was okay. I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't, like, it's not like a fan favorite of mine or whatever. Um, but yeah, he did Don't Knock Twice. Uh, the movie Mayhem with um, Steven Yun and Samara Weaving, which that's a great movie. That is so awesome. It's like Office Space meets 28 Days Later. Fucking love it. And the movie Bliss. He did the music for that as well. Our starring cast. Yeah, here we go. So, like I said, I, I kind of look at this as like the expendables we never got. Um, it's a famous cast, especially like the first five or six names I'm going to mention are all big names. Um, starting with Stephen Lang. Uh, he's pretty much our focal point of the movie. He's our, I guess you would say, main character. Um, he plays Fred Paris. He's the bar owner, basically. 
Um, where do we know Steven from? Well, obviously Avatar, Don't Breathe, uh, Terra Nova, which was a TV series that was sadly canceled after one season and shouldn't have been. He was also part of the movie Project X, and I'm not talking about that, what was it, 2010? There was a movie called Project X, not that one. Uh, the one from 1987 with Matthew Broderick and Helen Hunt. He was part of that one. Um, that was the one where they had like the, the chimps that uh, were being tested on by the military and whatnot. Um, and, you know, Matthew Broderick was trying to free the, the chimps or whatever. It's been it's been a dog's age since I've fucking seen that movie. So I don't remember it completely, but I do remember that I did enjoy it. Uh, William Sadler is in this. William Sadler plays Walter Reed. Um, geez, I just talked about William Sadler not too long ago when I did my review on Demon Knight. It was uh, part of that. And obviously, Die Hard 2. Um, you, you can't mention William Sadler without mentioning Die Hard 2. Uh, he was also part of the Shawshank Redemption. Um, or he was the Grim Reaper in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Um, and I believe... I think he's part of Bill and Ted's 3 that's coming out. Um, I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Um, moving on, though. Uh, Fred Williamson, the hammer. Fred Williamson, uh, he plays Abe Hawkins. Obviously, he's from the movie Hammer. I just mentioned that. Uh, it was also from the movie Blind Rage and The Last Fight. Uh, and he was uh, from Dust Till Dawn, the movie. Um, he was in that, uh, which is currently airing on Shudder. And everyone, I only mention that because everyone is really hoping that Joe Bob does that for his uh, last drive-in show. There's been a lot of requests on Twitter for, come on, man, do from Dust Till Dawn. I think it would be awesome if he did. Martin Cove. There's a name you don't hear every day, but it's funny because he's done a lot of shit. But uh, Martin Cove. Lou Clayton is who he plays. Um... And where people mostly know him from, the Karate Kid movies, uh, Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3. Although the second one, he wasn't really in a whole lot. It was basically the opening scenes and that was it. But he was a big part of parts 1 and 3, obviously. Uh, and then the Cobra Kai series uh, from YouTube and whatnot. He was also from the movie Steel Justice. Yes! <laughs> Such a bad movie and I love it so much. Um, he was also from the horror film Friend Request, which was um, about the online stalker stalking people through social media and whatnot. I haven't seen all of that. I've seen clips of it. And I don't know. Social media and me don't get along to begin with, so I don't know. I may watch it one day. I don't know. Uh, moving on, though. David Patrick Kelly. Uh, he plays Doug McCarthy. <laughs> what? Most people will know him from one of two places, either The Warriors or The Crow. But he's done other movies as well. He was uh, also part of uh, John Wick Chapter 2, which I completely forgot that till I was like uh, checking up like, you know, for credits and whatnot. And I was looking it up and I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, I forgot he was totally in that. Um, now, here's one I love to mention. George Went. George Went plays Thomas Sabrin. Zabrisky. I was going to say Zabransky. I don't know why, but he plays Thomas Zabrisky. Gee, where's George from? Maybe Cheers? <laughs> like, um, he was also in Bliss. He was also in the 1985 movie House. Um, I believe it was him and William Cat were in there. The greatest American superhero? Or greatest American hero, sorry. Almost got that wrong. Um, and 
one that I had to mention. George Went was dub bears. No, he was uh, Bob Swirsky on Saturday Night Live when they used to do their dub bears skits. <laughs> Being a Bears fan, it's like that. Here's the funny thing. As much as obviously I know he was from Cheers, everyone knows he was from Cheers. But whenever you mention George Went, that's where my mind goes is dub bears. Um, <laughs> Tom Williamson, he's our younger uh, main actor, I guess you would say. He plays Sean Mason. He hasn't done, like, he's done some work, but he hadn't done a lot of work, a lot of TV work, I noticed. Uh, but he was also from the horror film, which is like more a horror comedy, uh, All Cheerleaders Die. And then moving on to our young actress of the movie, uh, Sierra McCormick. She plays Lizard or Lizzie or whatever. Um, she was in a movie called The Bast of Night. She was also, <laughs> I had to mention this just because. She was in the straight-to-video movie from Disney called Spooky Buddies. It was that Halloween special where it was, like, the dogs because, like, the, the buddies were all the dogs and there was a beagle in there and whatnot. I had to mention it because dogs. If there's anything with dogs, I'm, like, drawn to it. Hence, like, why I talked about Cloudpunk, right? Like, Camus was a dog automata and it was like, oh, I'm in. Uh, Travis Hammer, he plays our big main punk in the movie. Uh, it, his name was Boz in the in the in VFW. He was also in Independence Day Resurgence. I haven't seen that because I've been told not to. <laughs> Eventually, I'm going to get curious and watch it, but I've been told not to. That I will be very disappointed. Uh, Travis Hammer was also in a TV series known as Godless. Uh, Dora Madison. Dora Madison, if you have seen the movie Bliss, you know she was the main character in Bliss. She was also in Dexter, and she was a recurring character in the TV series for Friday Friday Night Lights, which was that uh, it was it a high school football team uh, TV series that was based on the movie with Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, Josh Ethier, and I mentioned him earlier because he also produced. He was one of the producers for the film, uh, but he plays the character of Tank. He was also in the film Almost Human, ABCs of Death 2, Some Kind of Hate, and Beyond the Gates with Barbara Crampton. Graham Skipper plays Rhodey. Again, he was in Almost Human. He was also in The Mind's Eye with uh, a, another Joe Bagos film. Uh, he was in Beyond the Gates with Barbara Crampton. Space Clown. Uh, which I mentioned because he wrote, directed, and acted in that one. That was like his his little like uh, passion project, I guess you would say. He was also in the movie All the Creatures Were Stirring, which is a Christmas movie, and he was in Bliss. Um, again, like I said, you'll notice that a lot of this is tied into Joe Bagos. He, he obviously has a, a, a crew he likes working with, and... A lot of these names all interlink and whatnot. Uh, finally, Linnea Wilson plays Lucy. Uh, so interesting about her. She's been in three films, it, it, Rogue Warfare films, and I'd never heard of them up until this point. But what caught my attention was that Stephen Lang is a part of the, these films, but also Will Yun Lee, who was part of Altered Carbon. He plays Takeshi Kovats. So I was like, oh, fuck. Now I'm kind of curious. Now these movies did not have good ratings on IMDb, but has that ever stopped me? <laughs> no. 
The runtime for VFW is 1 hour 32 minutes. The movie is not rated. However, if it was, let's say it was, uh, it would be probably rated R for extreme violence, language, alcohol and drugs, and more violence. Um, It's a violent movie. I kind of like that. Uh, The budget was unknown. I couldn't find the budget anywhere, but its gross was only $23,100. But then again, very limited release. I mean, it pretty much aired at a a few festivals and then had like the most limited of runs. Um, Distributed by Fangoria and RLJE Films. The soundtrack was released by Lakeshore Records and can also be found on Bandcamp. So the synopsis, the story of this, what is this movie all about? Well, in this latest movie from the iconic Fangoria, a typical night for a group of war veterans at the local VFW turns into an all-out battle for survival when a teenage girl runs into the bar with a bag of stolen drugs. Suddenly under attack from a gang of punk mutants looking to get back what's theirs at any cost. The vets use every weapon they can put together to protect the girl, their VFW, and for their lives. Yes, it's basically... Well, I I laughed because the synopsis on the Blu-ray said, in the biggest fight of their lives. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that would be any war they fought in. (laughs) But, hey, it is what it is, right? Um, So my notes, thoughts, reception of this film, all the, the good stuff for this review... Uh, Many have said it before. I'm going to say it as well. This is a nice throwback to the Grindhouse, Midnight, and Exploitation films of the 70s and 80s. It is. Um, It gets heavily compared to Assault on Precinct 13, um, the old John Carpenter film. Uh, Also from Dust Till Dawn, I've seen mentioned uh, in terms of comparison, and Hobo with a Shotgun. uh, Basically like those those grindhouse films, um, a lot of the classic ones. For me, and I mentioned this already earlier, this was kind of like the Expendables I never got. Because, don't get me wrong, I love the Expendables. The the first one especially, the second one was good too. But the, the thing with the Expendables was I always found it was too clean, it was too perfect, if that makes any sense. Where this is kind of messy, this is kind of grungy, um, I mean, but I, I don't know, whatever grindhouse action classic you want to compare this to, I find it ranks up there with the best of them. In my opinion, uh, the interiors of the VFW post where they shot this film was an actual VFW hall. Uh, and it was in Grand Prairie, Texas, uh, specifically post number two, 2494. I'll say that two two four nine four. Um, And I guess a lot of the extras that were in the backgrounds and whatnot were actual real veterans that like frequent this, this, this VFW hall. So that's kind of cool. I mean, like, it's a nice way to like, you know, let them be a part of the experience and whatnot. Uh, You want to know what else is great about this movie? I will tell you this right now. It's a simple story. You don't, there's no complexities. You don't have to think hard on this film. It's no massive twists or turns or any of that shit. It's a straightforward story. That for, you know, for an hour and a half, you don't have to think hard. Just watch it. Just enjoy it. Um, I mean, it, it, honestly, it's a simple story of drugs, theft, revenge, 
protecting what's mine, you know. Uh, the dialogue for me is what works in this movie because it really does actually feel natural. The dialogue did not feel like, like okay, it, kind of how I wrote it down. I, I wrote like it felt like watching guys sitting around talking, shooting the shit, being stupid, you know, making comments that like you you wouldn't normally make out in public around people you don't know unless you're me and you don't give a shit what people think but but the thing is is what i it felt like they weren't acting like i actually felt when i was watching this that i'm like yeah if you put this group of guys together it's probably what they talk like um the movie is not perfect though and i'll point this out because martin cove's character and i love martin cove like his his character portrayal of John Kreese in the Karate Kid movies, yeah, he's an asshole, but he played it so well, that's why I love him. Um, his character in this reminded me of Jeremy Piven's character, uh, Ray Cochran in Judgment Night. That that whole like salesman mentality, this this idea that he can talk his way out of conflict, that he can negotiate, that you know. And, like, the whole time, like, when he's trying to do this, when he's like, oh, I'm going to talk our way out of this. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a salesman. I know how to do this and stuff like that. I found it a bit detracting because I kept thinking of Judgment Night. I, again, another great movie, though, right? Like, Judgment Night, what, on IMDb, I think it's 6.6 out of 10 or close to 7 out of 10. Like, it's, it's a cl- classic flick. It's fucking amazing. Dennis Leary was amazing in that movie. Um and even Emilio Estevez, and I'm not the biggest Emilio Estevez fan, but I loved him in Judgment Night. And I don't want it to sound like I'm taking away from Jeremy Piven either. He was great in Judgment Night, but when I'm watching Martin Cove, that's what I kept thinking of. And I was like, mm, all right, like not. But again, this is a throwback, right? This is one of those movies that's it's a passion project that's a love letter to something that, you know, the director and the writers grew up with. They loved it. They wanted to, you know say their thanks through tribute in making this movie. But again, his character kind of annoyed me. Um, Stephen Lang is great. Fred Williamson is awesome. The hammer. He's fucking great. William Sadler. Okay. Well, (laughs) my only issue with William Sadler is I kind of wished his character would have been named Colonel Stewart, (laughs) but nonetheless, he's solid in this film. Um, David Patrick Kelly, come out to play Warriors. That guy, yeah. Well, um, I get his part in this movie. You know, I, I understand he's needed. Uh, but so soon? Uh, if you've seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. If not, well, you'll get it after you see the movie. Um, really? So soon? <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, he's, he's good. Uh, Sierra. Sierra, uh, our young actress, uh, she's not bad. Um, she plays Lizard. Uh, her acting was fine. Her acting, her acting's not the issue. Her character, however, she's an ungrateful bitch. Uh, you kind of want to just like smack her sometimes. But I mean, like, I get it. It's she's like the 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 new gen. The, 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 I don't want to say millennial because uh, I don't think she's millennial. Actually, she's like, what are they calling it now? Gen Z or something like that. Whatever. I don't know. I get that it's supposed to be like the newer generation versus the boomers. Okay, boomer. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I get it's that kind of shit and whatnot. But still, 
these guys in this VFW bar, they didn't ask for any trouble. Here they are helping her out. They're getting bloody while doing it. And she's a fucking douche to them at times. And it's like, all right. But again, her acting is spot on because you just, there's times you just want to jump in the screen and like give her a swat upside the head and say, you know what? These dudes don't have to do this shit for you. And they are. So in terms of the aesthetics of the film and whatnot, the lighting is dark, sometimes grainy, um, gives off that 16 millimeter or 35 millimeter film grain effect and whatnot. Some people have complained that this is a cop out to, you know, hide the elements of the gore, the cheap effects of the gore and whatnot. But I mean, <laughs> come on now, this is 2020. There always has to be somebody complaining, you know, they'll never get X amount of time back in their life, you know, whatever. It, it is what it is. Um, I don't know. I like the, I like the aesthetic of it. I like the look of it. Um, there's a few kind of cool like throwbacks in like hidden throughout the movie and it like um uh what am i thinking of here like like hidden eggs i guess you would say there's one part where like you see like a list of features above like a cinema and whatnot and one of them is called bliss that's obviously a reference to you know joe bago's previous film bliss uh i think there was like a brain scan poster that uh, someone pointed out and whatnot. There's kind of like cool little nods to other things and whatnot in the background. The story is solid though. Very few lag points. It flows nicely. Uh, there's a few moments where it's a bit talky at times, but I'm kind of actually like of the mind, like the mindset that sometimes it's not bad to have that. It's kind of nice to have a movie that's not afraid to breathe. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. I love those movies where it's point for point for point, just speeding through, telling a nice tight story and whatnot. But at the same time, why not enjoy a few moments of, you know, talk? You know, I mean, Quentin Tarantino, that's how many of his movies have been based on that? You know what I mean? Like opening scenes where it's like full 10 minutes of dialogue and you're completely captivated. Right. So, I mean, it's what it is. The music of Steve Moore obviously a highlight i love the whole synth feel to it uh very reminiscent of a carpenter type score you know escape from new york um i don't want to say halloween because halloween was a different entity all on its own but like you know a big trouble in little china um uh, what's the one i'm thinking of christ's sake uh they live um it kind of like that idea um of course they live was Somewhat different. I mean, it has its synth moments as well, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but very Escape from New York. I, I will say that. Um, in terms of reception of this film, IMDb has it at a 6.1 out of 10. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 80% fresh with critics. That's impressive. The audience score is a little bit lower, 65% fresh, but that's not horrible. And on Metacritic, it's looking at what, uh, 72%? Uh, approval rating so that's not bad uh, Mike Vanderbilt of Consequence of Sound said um, VFW delivers the goods tough guy dialogue memorable characters and so much splatter and audiences will be giddy as adolescents as the gore literally explodes on the screen oh yes there's a lot of blood a lot of gore um, which is kind of cool um, it's I guess going into a Joe Bagos film, you kind of expect that, but it was pleasantly surprising because I wasn't expecting 
as much as we got. It was kind of cool. Um, followed up with Frank Sheck uh, from The Hollywood Reporter said that VFW ultimately lacks the cinematic, cinematic flair to be truly memorable. However, the film does succeed on its own terms of being a nostalgic throwback to the days when such B-movies routine, routinely opened on double and triple bills in urban grindhouses. He's not wrong. Um, I I will uh, disagree with him to the fact that he's saying it's not memorable. I found some key scenes to be quite memorable. I mean... It, Within the first three minutes of the movie, there's a scene where you're like, yeah, I won't forget that. <laughs> so I don't know. It, I agree with him in a lot of ways, but in terms of it not being memorable, I don't know if I agree so much with that. Uh, surprisingly, it's the general population, the audience that didn't like this film as much. A lot of people complain that the plot had too many holes in it. Say, what? Really? Like come on, do we always have to point out plot holes? Like, just enjoy fucking movies. Like, even the best movies of all time have plot holes. It happens. Don't worry about it. That's me. Anyways, um, I did laugh at some of the comments. I this, this always kills me. I love when people are, like, younger. And don't get me wrong, I, younger generations have every right to comment on films just as much as us older generations. I am not taking that away from them. But I love when people in the 90s will say that a movie doesn't remind them of the 80s. You weren't alive. Or even that, like, people that were born in, like, 86, 87, 88... There's no fucking way you remember the 80s. You were born at the tail end of it. like, And then you'll see these comments online where these people are like reviewing movies or they'll be like, oh, I, I, I feel such an 80s aesthetic from this movie. How the fuck would you know? You weren't alive. Um, <laughs> those of us who lived it, we remember. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Whatever. I mean, whatever. I do also get the fact that we live in a world where, you know, information era and whatnot, you don't necessarily have to be born in the in the 80s or 90s to completely grasp something. I mean, I, w I wasn't alive in the 60s, and I have a pretty good idea of what the 60s were like based on documentaries I've watched, movies I've pulled, you know, taken in, and books I've read and stuff like that. I understand that. Don't get me wrong. It just, it always makes me laugh when... I'll see someone, and again, I also get the fact that online, you can be anybody you want to be, so maybe someone saying they were born in 96 was actually born in 76. I do get that, too. Um, but I don't know. It just makes me giggle because it's like, according to your online profile, it says you were born in 91. How the fuck would you remember what happened in 83? You weren't there. Uh, you weren't even a sperm in the sack yet, but it is what it is. My podcast, zero rating for VFW. Let's get on to the rating. Let's end this fucking show. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So, VFW is a fun flick. Not too hard on the brain. I love that. I love that it's it's easy to watch. It has rewatchability because it's mind-numbing. You can just sit here and watch. The effects and the blood, not as concealed as some people would have you believe. Like, there's a few people I saw online where they're like, this movie's so dark I can't see anything. But did you ever think to adjust the settings on your TV and make it a bit brighter? I don't know. That's just me. Um, I'm being that lame asshole that's gonna, like, you know, smack you with some logic that's not really logical because I'm 
dull as I, I what did I say the other day? I so I said I told someone I'm a dullard's dullard. I'm dull as I'm the dullest crayon in the box. That's what I think of myself. But hey, it is what it is. The characters aren't all completely awesome. Some do have flaws, but this also makes the movie seem more lifelike to me. Here I am talking about people criticizing plot holes, and I'm like, this movie seems lifelike to me. Um, <laughs> but it, I don't know. It's a movie that I don't really care if it's lifelike or not. It delivers action. It delivers fun. It shows that, you know, that new or younger isn't always better. You know, that, and that's the other thing, too. Like, it's kind of nice to see that, you know, sometimes older, sometimes a little broken down can be a lot wiser. Um, but at the same time, what I did like about this movie was it didn't completely, it didn't completely push this idea that, well, you know, the older guys are the better guys and, you know, younger people are just shit. No, because like one of the guys helping them is in, you know, his younger I think what he was like in his twenties and then you got the girl who's a teenage girl and she's helping out. I mean, she's ungrateful at times, but she does help out. Um, and I like that they show that like, you know, younger and older can work good together. And if you really want to break it down, take a look at the actors. You have some actors that have been acting since the sixties versus some actors in this movie that just started in the late two thousands and they're working together to bring together a beautiful film on the screen. So it does show that, you know, young and old can work together and meet a common goal and it's not horrible. Um, this movie shows what respect looks like. And I like that. I, I like that. It shows how you earn respect. It's a good part of the story that sometimes gets ignored in certain movies where it's like they do the young versus old thing, but there's no real definition of how to earn respect and how respect should be given and stuff like that. Respect. Um, but so I like that. Um, to me, that makes the movie awesome. Uh, I'm not of two minds of this movie. I'm of one simple mind. So there's no law of averages this week. The movie is a solid eight out of 10 simple and to the point. It's an eight. I really do enjoy this film. I highly recommend it. Um, don't go in expecting to see something that's, you know, life altering or, you know, is going to move you to the point of tears or anything like that. It's not that kind of movie. It's just a, a fun, violent f fucking, I don't even know how to explain it. It's a gore fest. That's just fun to watch. Um, and that's about it. Like, there's really not much more to be said. It's the expendables we never got. Okay. It's, it's the, it's the actors that could have been in the expendables but they weren't and this is like it the side project or whatever you want to call it it's just it's really nice to watch it's a great movie and on that note thank you for listening thank you for tuning in this week i know it's a little bit different this week you know doing two reviews and whatnot um i can honestly say this was a fun episode to record because I'm talking about two things that made me very happy in recent times. Um, I'm not going to go on on my whole COVID-19 talk this, you know, this time around or whatever, but I mean like it, the world is depressing. And so it's nice when I can watch a movie and be like, that was fun. I'm glad I took that in. Or I can play a video game and be like, wow, I was able to escape for a week because it's basically what it was. I was, going to work coming home and playing more cloud punk and it, it was awesome to to have two properties to talk about this week and both 
be exceptionally fun and have helped me escape for a while, that's awesome. In the times we're living in right now, the, that is exactly what we need. And so I wanted to talk about it to recommend it to you all. So thank you for listening. Uh, where to find the show? The usual suspects. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, uh, CastBox, FM Player, or the home, the Next Level Network, thenextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero. Or you can also find it at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero.com. If you want to email me, shoot me a message, uh, request a movie, request something, um, request anything, request for me to shut up. That's not going to happen, but you can request it anyways. Uh, Whatlurksbehindpodcastzero at gmail.com. On the social media, you can find me at facebook.com slash whatlurksbehindpodcastzero, on Instagram at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero, or on Twitter at WLBpodcast underscore zero. So, Lurker's recommendation, basically I'm going to put it like this. VFW or Cloudpunk, I know, (laughs) what a cop-out. That was basically the recommendations the last episode. But the thing is, is that I... I really like, especially Cloudpunk. I'm really gonna push this, um, and I've I've already posted the links on the Facebook page for the Steam account for it. Um, I've tried not to drive people nuts with it, but at the same time, like it it's it was such a nice change, and I think a, a lot of it came down to the fact that this was a game dealt with a future where guns were not needed this was something that meant a lot to me because and no i'm not going on some anti-nra fucking rant or anything like that but so many cyberpunk games automatically the guns come out or like there's this new ghost runner demo that's on steam right now where you're fighting with a sword and it's always violent it's always action packed which don't get me wrong is a lot of fun but it was nice to play a game for once that wasn't violent it was nice to play a game where you were doing other things you were driving around you were delivering packages meeting people meeting ais and automatas and at times you have to make decisions too like and you know yeah okay people will say well there's no repercussions to the decisions there is in a way because you think about those decisions after you've made them um and I like that. And it, it was nice. I know I every week, week after week on this podcast, I talk about things that are violent. And for once, I was like, I'm talking about something that's not violent. There's no violence to this game. And that's kind of what I liked about it. It was different. Um, I mean, because if you really want to get technical, even fucking Mario Brothers is a violent game. You're stomping on toadstools and you're, you know, shooting fireballs. <laughs> I know people are like, really, you're stretching here. But no, but seriously, it was it was nice to have a game. Oh, and one of the one other fact about Cloudpunk, you also have to keep track of your car because if you're not good at driving, you have to repair it. And that was kind of funny too. Like in the first like eh, maybe five minutes of the game it took me a bit to get used to controlling the Hova, like or the car or the spinner or whatever the fuck you want to call it. it, it so yeah, I kind of smashed into some walls and some other Hovas, and it was like uh, all of a sudden I see up in the the right hand corner it says find a garage to repair your Hova, and I'm like oh shit, um, and you have to fill it up with gas, so you have to watch your gas meter because when you're running low on fuel, you have to go fuel up. So it was kind of nice though to play a game like that for once that wasn't about. 
there was competition, but there wasn't, and it was just is a nice chill game. So, anyways, that's that. I will announce the next episode because the next episode is a fan request, um, and the next episode is definitely going to be bizarre to talk about if you've ever seen this movie uh, from 1982. Cronenberg film, Videodrome. Uh, yes, all hail the new flesh. Um, and it was requested by Jacob Allen, who has requested episodes before on this show. And I felt like, you know what? He sent me a message saying, "How I, you know, I think you should do Videodrome. I was like, consider it done. So we're going to do that. Uh, closing track for this week. Uh, going back, way back uh, to a song that I just... I always enjoy it. it always hypes me up gets me in the mood to do some shit and whatnot so uh and it was featured in the movie natural born killer so i don't know if you want to look at it that way but the movie or the the movie the closing track of the week is fork boy by the band lard uh jello biafra project and whatnot but we're gonna do that i've talked a lot i've talked enough um I don't know. Everyone take care of yourself. Be well. That's my new joke lately. Because everyone with their whole stay safe thing, uh, which I get it. I'm not knocking people for saying stay safe and all that shit. I get it. But it's just, I, I, I keep telling my friends, I'm like, man, the world we're living in right now, I seriously feel like I need to review Demolition Man because we are living those times. Like, be well. Um yeah, just let that sit and sink for a couple minutes. Uh, if only we had cryogenic, uh, like cryogenic, uh, like freezing stasis things, I'd have myself frozen now and wake me up when people are smart again. Um, did I say that? Uh, whatever. Um, you guys know I, I'd like to rip on people and things and whatnot. I'm done talking. I'm going to let the music play now. So thank you for listening. And next episode, Videodrome. Bye for now, guys. Uh-huh.